Welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show here on a Thursday, front end of a back-to-back for the Sixers against their Atlantic Division foe, the New York Knicks. And while things got a little close towards the end in the fourth quarter, ultimately throughout the evening, it was a tough watch for this team, down by as much as 26 in the game, clawing all the way back to six-point deficit late in the fourth, well, midway through the fourth quarter, but they just could not stop the New York Knicks uh, from hitting a couple of three-pointers, getting some offensive rebounds, which was really a, a a key throughout the night, a problem for the Sixers overall. So Derek Bodner, Devon Givens with you. Kyle Newbeck will join live from the arena. Brianna's producing. All of you in the chat, we can't wait to speak with you, get your thoughts on everything as the Sixers fall to the New York Knicks, 110-96. And, and Derek, I think the theme that not only myself, you, we saw Kyle tweeting things, Brianna watching the game here, offensive rebounds, rebounding in general, turning the basketball over, missed opportunities, lack of effort from this basketball team early on. And when they did get gut punched, they did not know how to respond. And big shots from New York, taking advantage of those second chance opportunities in this one. And while the Sixers did fight back, we were like, oh, look at that. It's about to go to four points. Kelly Oubre missed two layup opportunities. And then the next thing you know, it's right back up to double digits. Yeah, the rebounding is just infuriating. And I don't think there's an easy solution here. Obviously, without Joel Embiid, you're a little bit behind the eight ball. But because Mo Bamba has been so bad, and even when he's on the floor, it's not like they can rebound. In fact, I looked it up. They give up about, uh, I think it's like a 32 or 33% offensive rebounding rate when Mo Bamba's on the floor so far on the season. That yep. would be good for last in the league, 30th out of 30th. So they're not rebounding the ball when he's in there. Because of that, what do he play? Maybe five minutes tonight? Yep. Because of that, Nick Nurse has been going to a lot of small ball lineups. Unfortunately, with Covington and Melton both out of the lineup, most of their smaller players are also poor rebounders. And then you've got Tobias Harris, and we'll get to that in a minute. I'm sure we'll be stuck on that for a little while. So there's not really an easy solution. But in a game like this one, where you get into such a big hole and you have to climb your way all the way back out, you can't give away points. And they just gave away so many second chance points. They ended up getting outscored 19 to 12, I believe it was, in terms of second chance points. It felt even bigger than that. I think the Knicks had some opportunities that they didn't convert, but it was just infuriating. And like I said, I don't know if there is an easy solution, not until Joel Embiid comes back. Even when Joel Embiid was on in a lineup, they were never really a good defensive rebounding team, but they were at least competent. I would love for a little bit of competency in that regard. I just don't think it's on the horizon. Yeah, and that's why when we were discussing the trade deadline, Andre Drummond's name came up a bunch. Kelly Olenek, who's not really known for his rebounding and getting hitting the glass that way, which is more of his spacing and all, but just having another big man on this team to go with Paul Reed because of the Mo Bamba situation that Derek is talking about. Five minutes, and what happened with the Nick Nurse ultimately do? He wound up going to Kenyon Martin, KJ Martin, Kenyon Martin Jr. KJ Martin down the stretch playing center minutes because he just flat out did not trust Mo Bamba. And quite frankly, uh, as well as Paul Reed has played, he even lost some of his minutes too. But he played 22 minutes and 29 seconds, where KJ Martin played 21 minutes and six seconds. Now, KJ Martin did play some forward minutes when he came into the game early on, but once Nick Nurse and the coaching staff realized that they were getting nothing from Obama tonight, establishing that very, very early. 
they had to go to a different game plan. And as a result, K.J. Martin got those minutes. I don't fault him for anything because he was out there trying, gave effort, and guess what? Yeah. Led the team in rebounding with seven rebounds. But he needed to come off the bench to do that because of the what you weren't getting from others. And then Tobias Harris, as Derek said, we'll talk about that. Many people are already talking about Tobias Harris in the chat. We'll get to that. But that's where, that's where we talked about during our pregame, again, presented by our good friends at Coors Light. And when we discussed it, rebounding, defense and rebounding, how would that change after having the All-Star break, a chance at them looking at some different strategies, the uh, roster construction, we already know what it is at this point. So what are those lineups going to look like? Rebounding, rebounding, offensive rebounds. The, number, the numbers don't look that bad when you look at them on paper. 45 to 38 in New York wins the rebounding battle. Often those five offensive rebounds more, 12 to 7. It seemed like it was 22 to 7 on the offensive glass, the way that New York was getting those loose balls, getting on the floor. Team uh, Floor rebounds from New York that would hit the floor before the yeah. Sixers even gathered, and they had the opportunity to pick up that rebound, and what did they do? Bang, dagger, three-pointer from one of the many Knicks players like Dante DiVincenzo. Bogdanovich hit five for five in the first half. He seemed like he wasn't going to miss. And that was, again, a big part of those second-chance opportunities that New York had, allowing them to really separate themselves. The Sixers seemed like they really had to play almost a perfect game in this one. And rebounding in defense and that extra effort, those little intangibles, the 50-50 balls was a big part of that. And that did not come to fruition in this game tonight in their first game back of the second half. And that showed itself in a big way. And it also showed itself when you now have another opponent where, number one, Mitchell Robinson didn't play because he's out injured. Julius Randle didn't play out injured. Isaiah Hartenstein is a very good backup, and he's been playing well for New York. He didn't play all that much. He didn't hurt them. He played 10 minutes and 48 seconds. It was Precious Lachua. Jericho Sims really giving the Sixers problems and some of the other guys as well uh, getting on the offensive glass. Five for Jericho Sims, four for Preston Sichua. That's nine right there from your, your, your bigs, your centers at that, at that spot. And the Sixers could not mount any kind of uh, effort there on the glass to get those rebounds to not get in trouble and give up those chances there for the Knicks in that second half. Again, they cut it to as many as six. We thought they were going to get it to four when Kelly Oubre drove. Looked like he was going to finish at the rim. He had another opportunity, missed that one too. They go right back down the floor, hit a three-pointer, nine points, and then it's up to 12 points and lights out at that point. Yeah, and to your point, like the rebounding differential might not look that bad, 12 to seven offensive rebounds. That's in part because the Sixers missed more shots. Like the Sixers missed, I think, eight more shots mm -hmm. than the Knicks. So when you look at it on a percentage basis, I think the Knicks grabbed about 30% of the available offensive rebounds. The Sixers about 15%. When you double up someone on the offensive glass, essentially that is going to have a big outcome or big impact on the outcome. Uh, the, Nets, or the Knicks just didn't miss as many shots. They shot 44% from three, nearly 50% from the field. So for them to end up with 12 offensive rebounds is infuriating. And it's infuriating in part because, like I said, they got themselves into such a big hole in the first half, in part because I thought their offensive game plan and, and method of attack was poor, in part because that led to some transition opportunities that New York capitalized on. But when you get yourself into that big of a hole, you can't give up the effort points. You can't give up the floorboards. You can't get pushed around like they did. And again... I think part of the reason they get pushed around is because they don't have a real viable backup big man right now. And so they go small and the players they have to go small aren't really built for this kind of a ramp up in terms of physicality. That being said, you just need more help. You need more help from Tobias. 
you need more help from everyone across the board, and they just didn't get it. No, they did not. And as a result, the Sixers came into this game just a half game back of the Knicks in the Eastern Conference standings. Of course, the Atlantic Division, because they are Atlantic Division foes. But the big part, obviously, is the standings. So the Sixers are sitting in the fifth spot right now with the New York Knicks in the fourth spot. And because of this loss, they're now a game and a half back. And the Knicks have taken the first two games of the season series with two more remaining. And the Sixers had an opportunity tonight where... You know, uh, Derek and I predicted in the pregame show that we felt like this was one that they would be able to steal and, and take this game. But as we saw it play out, it happened really fast, too. They didn't really give us an opportunity to, to feel good about anything because the Knicks got out to a 12-3 start over the Sixers. Hustle plays, as we talk about, some big three-pointers, some breakaway finishes that led to a timeout by Nick Nurse. And while the Sixers once again did mount a comeback, at the end of the first quarter, they were still down by 11 points there, 32-21. Double that up, really, in, in the second quarter, down by 23 at the break. And as many as 26 in this game. And while they did come back and fight and give a pretty good effort in doing so, uh, part of it was because they played the small ball. We'll, we'll talk more about the lineup changes that Nick Nurse uh, had out there and some guys running out of gas overall. We didn't see the Buddy Hill game that we thought we would see based on what we had a chance to look at through the first four games that he has played in the Sixers uniform. Uh, but you saw a few other things that, especially playing on the second night of a back-to-back -back on Friday, where we will have our watch party with everybody, our takeover at the arena as the Sixers host the Cavaliers, Cavaliers played tonight, and they fell to the Orlando Magic at home. But they're going to come in here wanting to get back at the Sixers. They lost 116-109 to the Orlando Magic. But they're going to want to come in here and really put it on the Sixers because of what happened before and the fact that they lose to Orlando tonight. And they don't want to lose too much ground in the Eastern Conference standings because of some head-to-head -head matchups, some playoff situations later on that could factor into what may take place later on in the season once we get around that April time that's really going to start that talking us talking about the jockeying and what needs to happen. Cleveland is right there for them tomorrow, and they have some issues that really showed themselves in this game, especially against a bigger team with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in that lineup. They're going to have to deal with a few things there against that basketball team that they Jericho Sims, yes, but the, two, the twin towers of those two, and we talk about the rebounding, they found a way to figure it out and, and play Cleveland and beat Cleveland before the All-Star break. Cleveland's going to make some adjustments. Does Nick Nurse have that in him, especially seeing how they played tonight to get them to come back and compete and get on the glass the way that they need to to not have them in a hole once again with the offensive rebounds and the second-chance points? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow night's game is interesting because on the one hand, not only do they have the bigs to cause the Sixers problems with the offensive rebounding, but they have the perimeter, uh, uh, the, the scoring potential and the you know driving kick game on the perimeter where the Sixers don't really have lockdown defenders out there anyway. So if you get dribble penetration and you're already struggling on a glass, it's only going to make that problems worse. I'm really interested to see how the Sixers react to that and whether they're able to overcome that to some degree. They obviously did a little while back here before the break. That is a tough matchup for them, though. Yes. Uh, like I said, I'm at this point, you want to get the wins and you want to be able to evaluate. For me, a lot of that is maxi and healed on the backcourt and whether or not they can hold their own defensively. So I am looking forward to tomorrow's game while acknowledging that I'm very concerned about whether or not they can stop the ball and whether or not they can rebound the ball if they do somehow force a miss. 
it is a uh, yeah it's concerning yeah and look and we'll talk about the Cavs a little bit later too as we kind of preview the game and we hope to see you all down there at the arena as we sit together and watch the game that the Cavs had some big leads in that first game in that last game before the all-star break where Donovan Mitchell Darius Garland were going off Jared Allen was grabbing every rebound Isaac Okoro was hitting threes in that game they had so many things Karis LeVert playing well they had so many things going for them but the Sixers did fight back and eventually win that game this one seems like coming off of this one again second night even though they're at home that that, that could be a problem. That could be a big problem for them tomorrow uh, in this game. But the Sixers, 110-96 in this one. I said 1010. Uh, that's how bad the night was. Uh, the Cavs had, the Knicks had five players in double figures, led by Bogdanovich, just 22, coming off the bench. 21 for Jalen Brunson with 12 assists. And he has seven turnovers, and they couldn't overcome that tonight from Jalen Brunson. 16 for Dante DiVincenzo, 18 each from Josh Hart and Precious Achua. Therefore, the New York Knicks again won 10, 18 turnovers. That led to 23 points for yeah. the Sixers. They could not overcome that either. 18 turnovers for the Sixers, leading 14 for the Knicks the other way. As mentioned, Tyrese Maxey with 35. We'll talk about him. That's a good thing to talk about in this game on the other side. He led all with 35 in this game, 11 to 24, 4 of 11 from beyond and 9 for 9, a perfect 9 for 9 from the free throw line. He was the only starter, by the way, to get to the free throw line in this game. 14 for Buddy Heal. Struggled tonight, 5 for 15, 4 of 19. Didn't seem like he could get into the same type of rhythm as before the All-Star break, but he did finish with six assists leading the team in that category once again. 14 for Kelly Oubre Jr. and 11 for Kyle Lowry off the bench. After that, nothing. So your starters right there, 35 and 14, you get 49 points from your backcourt and just nine points from the rest of the front court for your Philadelphia 76ers. That is not a recipe for success uh, to win these games, especially against good basketball teams like the New York Knicks. So... Uh, unfortunately, this one, they fall, and we actually thought that they would really uh, win this game, and uh, we were wrong in this one. So Yeah, that, that's, and to that's your that. point, you 49 from your backcourt, but outside of a brief stretch in the third quarter, I didn't think Buddy played all that well no. here either. It was really about Maxi, and he was phenomenal, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. Before we do, though, we want to make sure we tell you about Coors Light. From your day-to-day -day annoyances to the big stuff, like, I don't know, maybe medi mediocre shooters taking pull-up threes with 15 seconds left on a shot clock or yeah. seven-footers allergic to rebounding. Maybe my big annoyances are different than yours, but this is the life that I live. It's very easy to get worked up and caught up in day-to-day -day life. But there's a better way and a chiller way to handle that, and you can choose chill by reaching for an ice-cold Coors Light, as you can see right in front of us. Yes. With Coors Light, you know you're getting an ice-cold beer because the mountains turn blue when they're as cold as the Rockies. And in the summer... I, we have a lot of family outings uh, pretty much every weekend, sit in the backyard, play with the dogs, do a little grilling, get caught up in each other's lives. It's freaking fantastic. Can't wait until it's nice again. Whenever we do get together, we make sure that we have a great uh, chill and relaxing Coors Light to help settle in and wash away a week's worth of stress. And with Coors Light, you know it's cold when you reach for the can because the mountains turn blue when they're as cold as the Rockies. Coors Light is a cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged for a smoother finish. When it's time to chill, open a Coors Light. When you choose to rise above it all, choose chill. Choose Coors Light. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash PHLY basketball. Celebrate responsibly. 
Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And after a game like that and you're wanting to get back into the arena, maybe and catch a game or maybe something else you want to do over the weekend to kind of forget about this one and you need tickets to that event, well, I have perfect place for you. We've been telling you about them for a long time. And that is it's the great people from game time buying tickets to your favorite events. Shouldn't be stressful for you, for your family, for your friends at all. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater, and much more. Get out there and get those tickets. Well, guess what? You know how you have to get out there and get them right. Easy thing right there on your phone. Everything is on your phone, right? Well, game time is no different. You can get right on your phone with killer deals on the last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have flash deals and last minute tickets last minute. Oh, this person's in town. We want to go check them out. Bang, game time right there. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And if you want to know where you'll be sitting in that venue, images of the seat views right there on your phone, on your game time app. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. right there for you at game time. It's the place for last minute ticket deals. So forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive. Flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and baseball back next month. Want to go see your squad in whatever town you're in? Certainly here in Philadelphia. Right here, exclusive flash deals with Game Time. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find those tickets in the same section and row for less, lower price, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress. With Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right. So, do you want to get to the good, or do you want to get, because we got got some super chats flowing in. Which one would you like to get to? Let's get to the good. All right. Let's talk about, we just went. 15 minutes talking negatively about everything that happened because it was mostly negative in this game. Let's talk some positive. Tyrus Maxey's really good. He's really good. Yeah. At first, he was getting off to that slow start, down 12-3. He missed a couple of shots. All right, I can trust him. I feel like he's going to bounce back. He did. 35 points, again, knocking down those threes, couple of tough finishes at the rim, perfect 9-for-9 nine nine from the free throw line. You saw him out there with some different backcourt mates, some small ball lineups, and he was still clearly the best player on the floor. Tyrese Maxey, Derek, is really good. Yeah. No, he's, and look, he, he came up short on some of the uh, shots there late in the fourth. Like when they were trying to finish off that comeback, I thought, thought he got he, tired. Yeah. And like that makes sense. He had 18 in the third quarter, was pretty much the reason they got back into it. Um, his driving game was on point. I thought he made, you know, probably some of his, one of his better passing games in quite, well, obviously in quite a while. They haven't played basketball in eight days, but of the season, this was probably one of his better passing games. He had a real nice kick out um, to Buddy yep. for an open three. He had a nice drop off, um, bounce pass to Tobias in traffic. Tobias bungled it, but he was still a really good pass. Uh, I thought Tyrese made a bunch of really nice reads that gave me some optimism for the future. And obviously, when you can just step up, drop 35, shoot 11 threes, get to the free throw line nine times, like, he's really, really good at basketball. And it was a real good game for him. I think this was a pretty tough matchup for him. Like, New York has a lot of size. I think he handled that well. If he had almost literally anybody else out there helping him, they have a chance of stealing a win. Uh, 
him and Kyle Lowry was pretty much all that you had going for you most of the night. Yeah. And that was almost enough to get you back in a game against a good team. Albeit a team that's, you know, down a few key pieces. But yeah, he was he was really good. All right. So after seeing Tyrese Maxey play well, he was out there with Kyle Lowry for a decent amount. They were out there together yeah. in the backcourt for a pretty good portion of the game. And Buddy Hill having an off night. We've seen him have good nights already where we feel like, again, we probably count on him for much more than what he gave tonight because of what he has done so far in the Sixers uniform. This was the first bad game that he has had, so we're not really picking at it. If anybody had had a pulse, anybody else had a pulse, or even if just Buddy Heald had a better game than what he had, they might have made, had made this a game down the stretch and given themselves the chance to win this one against the New York Knicks. But not having that help from others, Certainly wish that Buddy Heald hit some of those shots because he had a, you know he had some good looks from behind the three point line. I also thought he took some bad shots. He was rushing rushing a couple of those shots, and as a result, I think part of that too was because of nobody else doing anything but the three players that we discussed. Even Kelly Oubre, who hit double digits, he had some moments, but he also had some moments there too where we were like, "That's a bad shot. That's a bad drive. You're not passing the basketball yep. when you're getting to a spot because you missed an open teammate cutting along the baseline." Make that extra pass around the perimeter when the ball swings to you instead of driving. And then the next thing you know, you turn the basketball over. They just needed one more player to score when you're fighting so much from the turnovers, the rebounding. Again, they had less turnovers, but they seemed like theirs came at the worst time during that stretch where New York really put them, put the foot on the gas and got themselves that 26-point lead. They needed somebody else to help Tyrese Maxey and Kyle Lowry, for that matter, to combat that and make sure that they didn't spread even wider than it already was and and caused the problem that it did but maxi he was fantastic once again he's going to continue to see the same type of coverages he's going to continue to see those double teams he's going to continue to see length on him as these defenders many defenders in the game are going to be that assignment is tyrese maxi they need, again, some more from others in these types of games. They lost 11096. They got it to within six. They needed somebody else, not named Maxi, who scored 15 points in that third quarter. They needed somebody else to really take the reins and say, okay, I got you. Take a bit of a breather. And once you come back in this, after your breather in the fourth quarter, you pick us back up and take us home because you are the all-star. But unfortunately, they, they did not do that. Yep. What did you think of uh, of Kyle's debut? I thought before he took the elbow to the face, first of all, when he took the elbow to the face, it was no doubt in my mind, once you realize it wasn't a broken nose, that it was his, it was his forehead, he was going to get that stitched up, patched up, and come back into the game. So I was not surprised when we saw Kyle Newbeck, our partner at the arena, tweet out, Kyle Newbeck says Kyle Lowry is uh, stitched up, coming back, able to return, not surprised by that at all. I thought he looked um, energetic. He yeah. obviously knew the offense. That reverse layup, I truthfully didn't know he still had it. And in. that was against the clock. Yeah. So he had to really just, he had to do it. And yep. he, he caught it on the perimeter, drove, and he had his mind made up that he was going to lay it up. He just had to use the other side uh, to get it to go. I thought he was energetic. Uh, I thought that he passed up on a couple of shots from the perimeter. Maybe he felt like he didn't have his legs back enough to shoot those jumpers. But... You could see the point guard in him as always. He had a pass underneath the basket for a layup opportunity. Drove to the basket, hit Buddy Hill. To your point, with Tyrese Maxey hit him, the same thing for Kyle Lowry. I mean, for Buddy Hill, he kicked it out. 
to Buddy Hill for a three-pointer. Uh, point guard instincts take over defensively. His aggression is always there. Got his got his hand caught in a cookie jar at one point uh, for a, a, a you know a chippy foul. You know, a little little tic tac foul there. That all right? You know, he hasn't played in a month. That kind of thing. But I thought he was decisive with what outside of the outside shooting. I think it was not not indecisive. He knew he didn't want to shoot it, but then he would make the play yeah. to make the better play because of where he is at this stage of the season. But I thought he was good, man. And the one three-pointer that we were all talking about when he did shoot and make it, I didn't think he even wanted to shoot that no, one, but he, he kind of had to because he was already before, in the yep. air and it, and it still win. But I thought outside of that one play, he was decisive. He had the energy uh, despite not playing for a month. And I, I just thought that he played a really, really good game for his first time back since playing in a month. And his body looked pretty good too. He looked like he was in, in pretty good shape and had to get back into basketball shape of playing a game. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. He was ready to play basketball, which when he's been off for his long, when was the last time he played basketball? Like, I think he said yesterday, January Yeah, it was 18? early January. Yeah, something 18, like that, mid-January, something, something in there. Because uh, he got traded. And then he played 25 minutes tonight. Yeah, and played, like I said, I thought he had good energy. I thought he looked like he was in good shape. Uh, the rhythm, he seemed like he was in a good rhythm, which you never really know when players have a layoff like that. Made the, made the three, the nice layup, made good decisions with the ball. Uh, I thought it was held his own defensively, and that's probably going to be my biggest question mark is can he hold his own uh tomorrow night is going to be a great test for that sure but yeah he did he did just about everything you could have asked for for a debut probably played more in minutes than you were expecting um but they needed that like they i said he was, he was probably their second best player which goes to show you why they were down 26 at some point but he was able to play alongside maxi uh running the show without maxi i think that's going to be key the fact that both of them can sort of go between on and off ball um yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was real good. Yeah, I thought he was. Thought he was real good. Uh, definitely something to look forward to. And as Derek talked about, maybe fifteen to sixteen minutes in a debut, not twenty-five. But Nick Nurse needed him tonight, and you know why he needed him. Uh, number one, because he trusted him, and you need just needed smart stuff out there because early on they just seemed so scatterbrained. Yes. And Kyle brought this up earlier when we were discussing things. He said, "You never know what you're going to get, right? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get." First game back from an all-star break. And they came out and they didn't look like they knew what they were doing. After practicing for two days, they didn't look like yeah. they had a clue what they were doing in that first couple of minutes before Nick Nurse called that timeout. No, their, their offensive approach early was real bad. It was iso ball, take a bad shot, uh, long rebound, get back in transition, get beat. It was it was real, like their offensive problems were bleeding directly into their defensive problems. Uh, and they obviously settled that down in the second half. And look, Kyle having to go out there for much of that first half. Uh, you know, this is one game where in our pregame show, which we rarely do, but we did today. We're like, man, just getting Batum back, uh, getting Kyle Lowry added to the rotation, just key because like, those are people you trust. Well, first of all, Batum was pretty awful. He was today. awful. He was awful. He, was he looked awful. like he was not in a rhythm at all. And also he picked up four fouls in like the first nine minutes of play. Yep. So he was barely on the floor in the first half. And then Kyle only played, I think like eight or nine minutes in the first half because he got the cut on the head. Um, so that stabilizing force that we we're hoping for barely even really played. And I thought that was a little bit of a factor in their um, struggling. And also the fact that Batum just didn't look like he was in any kind of a rhythm. Um, but yeah, Kyle was, Kyle was good. If he gives you that for the rest of the season, then that'll be a nice addition for sure. Was there anyone else that you thought played, since you said played well, when we talk about Lowry yeah. and Maxi, was there anybody else who played decent? KJ? Basketball. 
I agree. KJ? I agree. Um, I, Cam, I thought in the first half was outside of one really bad turnover. He had one really the bad first, turnover. The yeah, first, yeah. yeah, first. But possession. outside of that, he was he was at least giving you a little bit of offense off the bench. And remember, that was when Mac, when Lowry went into the locker room in the first yeah. half. Yep. Um, but outside of that, like KJ might have been your third best player, which is not great. It's not great at all. No, but, it wasn't. I mean, he was. You know, he was. He was at least competing on the glass. Um, you know, he gives you at least a little bit of athleticism and hustle. Uh, they didn't really have any, like, like I said, buddy gave you a shot and a little bit in the third quarter, but outside of that, uh, his shot was off. I thought he maybe forced things once or twice for maybe the first time since he's been here. Um, no, they've, they, they struggled and we haven't even really spoken about Tobias Harris, who was, that's because we were going to get to him. Yeah. Uh, all by himself, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, all by himself. We were going to get to him, but no, I agree with you. KJ Martin, man. And, and look, in the beginning where they seemed like they were, Derek, I don't know how you felt because when we watch the game together, we're kind of quiet how we watch it. Um, and w as we were watching it with Bree, we were all just sitting there. I thought when they didn't have the energy and they brought KJ, I, I think I, I had it written down here. KJ came in, Kyle Lowry came in along with Ubre and KJ Martin. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, I get why Martin is coming in. He's playing the five. I get that. A few minutes later, Mo Bamba came in. But in that first uh, substitution wave there, those three came in together. And I was thinking, okay, they have no energy. Kyle's gonna, Kyle Lowry's going to come in and give his best energy as possible. KJ Martin, you know he's going to play with some energy. The Kelly Oubre part, I understood because you needed some scoring. You were already down the way that you were down, 12-3, and the Sixers then go on a 5-0 run. But K.J. Martin got the first nod over Ricky Council, the fourth. When I looked at it, all right, he's going to play some front court minutes as a big. I get it. But then as the energy still looks so off for this basketball team, I was wondering when Nick Nurse was going to bring that infusion of energy and that one player that we know will bring that energy in Ricky Council, the fourth. Not because of how we talk about him on the show, but just simply because that's what it seemed like it needed. At that point in that first half, you need some energy here yeah. and you need somebody to be able to close out on one of these three point shooters and push up a little bit more on the perimeter. Kyle Lowry is certainly going to do it. Who else is going to do it? And Ricky Council did not get the call. KJ Martin did a good job. So he made Nick Nurse look good. But I thought there was an opportunity there early, Derek, where I felt two minutes, two minutes, as Matt Court would say in the arena, but just two minutes of Ricky Council causing havoc, somehow maybe, maybe igniting something there, lighting a fire underneath them with some energy. Yeah, and look, this was a, a you know a first half where I thought the Knicks just came out with way more energy, way more activity on defense. We're really getting into what the Sixers were trying to do. It made them stagnant on offense, which ignited you know New York's fast break. I would have just liked somebody who was going to compete, compete on the glass, compete physically, um, drive in, try to get to the free throw line, just give you some jolt of energy that was clearly lacking in the beginning. And look, I think Ricky Council's minutes are going to take a pretty sharp dive here. We all next agree on that. Weeks. I'm not saying like Nick Nurse has to play him regularly or every night or 20 minutes, but like every now and then an infusion of energy from a player you know is going to give you energy, I am certainly going to support that. Yeah, and I just thought that it called for that. At some point in this game, I thought it called for it early on because you saw when he came in. Yeah. What happened? He almost forced a turnover. And then when he did get the basketball, 
and drive to the basket, he got fouled. He missed his two free throws, but we've seen him make free throws, so we're not even picking at that, but it was just more of that's what we're talking about, bringing that energy, and they certainly missed that early on. Somebody else needed some energy and some uh, some more effort and some more points on the board to help out. We'll talk about him on the other side, but you know what he doesn't get? He doesn't get a bagel. He doesn't get the bagel player of the he, he doesn't get the bagel player of the game at all. Tyrese Maxey or Kyle Lowry gets the bagel player of the game uh, for us tonight. And you know why? Because they were good. And you know what else is good? Bagels. Bagels and Co. That's what we're talking about here. Bagels and Co. Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly with Philly love. Huge bagels. Biggest bagels in Philly. Very large. Hence the Brooklyn, New Jersey style that we're talking about here. Large variety. Usually have 15 to 20 different types to choose from on a daily basis. Have seasonal bagels as well. For instance, during Valentine's Day, they had the Valentine's bagel. St. Patrick's Day, got you covered. No problem. Just go to Bagels & Co. Why? Because they have the largest, largest cream cheese varieties to go with the 15 to 20 different styles of the 30 different flavors of cream cheeses and schmears as well. Hey, you got the 76ers cream cheese during the season. Phillies with the upcoming season. They did this during the postseason. Eagles as well. They have all different styles and all different promotional types of cream cheeses for every occasion once these things, of course, roll around. So we want to make sure you check in with them. As always, affordable prices in today's inflationary world. You don't want to spend a lot, and they think that's key. They've debated about raising the prices, but they want to be an everyday brand and not some high-end place you just go to splurge on on the weekends. They want you hitting them every single day on your way to work, working from home, taking the kids to school. No matter what, they want you to come back. Artisan, they're not an artisan mom and pop. But they do have a mom and pop feel and they cater to the everyday individual need. A lot of the customers are certainly repeat. Hopefully you are once you hear about Bagels and Co. They have really good coffee, not $7 like Starbucks. Why go to Dunkin' and get a subpar product when you can go to Bagels and Co. and get a premium product at the same price point? So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store locator to find the closest Bagels and Co. near you. And again, Tyrese Maxey, Kyle Lowry, they are the Bagels and Co. player players of the game. Okay. They have enough where they can get one each. They don't have to split it. They can Those get one are, each. Yeah. Yeah, they can do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get to... Super Chats, are they geared towards the guy we're going to talk about whole who bunch didn't of, earn a bagel today? It's a whole bunch of randomness. 
whole bunch of randomness. I guess we probably should talk about the bodies. Let's just talk about them first, and then we'll run all these super chats. Thank you, everybody, for for sharing and doing all that. We appreciate it. He sucked. Call it like it is. And like this is two games in a row because the last game he played was against Washington when he was four for fourteen for eleven points. What do you end up with tonight in terms of his point total? He had seven points on three of nine shooting in twenty six minutes and thirty six seconds. That's infuriating. It was just like watching him blow, like just drive down soft, get the ball stripped from him, miss that pass from Tyrese. He and and defensively he was a mess. It was really, really bad. And I just, like you mentioned before the show, we did a, a pregame show. And you're like, what's the addition of Tobias Harris going to add to this team? And I said, I have no freaking idea. And tonight is a perfect example of that because you had at no point, at zero points in this game, did you say Tobias is leaving a positive imprint on this game. Not one. 40 plus million dollars. Been here for five years, 31 in the middle of his prime. You only have one player who's really going well offensively. You need him to step up. And he never at any point looked comfortable getting catch and shoot. Never at any point did I think they should throw the ball to bias and get him going. He just didn't have anything going on a night when you desperately needed him to. And I don't like how many times have we had this conversation here throughout the course of this year? I don't even know how to have this. Like Kyle would be better to have in a studio right now because Kyle's the angry one and he'd go on a rant. And I'm just kind of like, I'm not like, I'm just at my wits end. I'm just exhausted from, frankly, this conversation. I'm exhausted from having to try to rely on him. I'm exhausted that this is still going on. I don't know. You don't always need to rant. You know how, you know how when you're beaten down. Yeah. Cause you know, you know how when you would get in trouble if you got in trouble as a kid. And your parents or, you know, one of your... Who, me? No, I know. Never, never <laughs> you didn't have that happen. Neither no. did I. Neither did Bree. Uh, but, or you know how we would witness other kids getting in trouble and you would get yelled at. But then at some point when it would happen over and over again, sometimes the parent just would not raise their voice or, you know, discipline you in a certain way that they may have the time before. They would just say, I'm disappointed. Yeah. They would say it with a low tone. You knew it really, really hit you hard because they didn't yell at you. They didn't discipline you the same way before. And while we're not sitting here talking about disciplining Tobias Harris in in our way, we're just simply saying as Derek is laying out how he felt and watching this game, sure, there are moments where you're just raising your hand in the moment of the game, pounding a table or a chair, wherever you might be. You're laying it out because it's like, I've seen this before. I've been here. I don't need to yell anymore because I'm just sick and tired of it. While I have hopes that this can turn around and be something a little bit different once they get to the postseason or once they get into a game like this, an important game against an Atlantic division, Eastern conference opponent that is really going to help maybe down the line be really important for your situation in the standings in the East. And the guy that you need to count on the most when Maxie is doing his part, you're relying on a guy who has not played a month, has not played basketball, and Kyle Lowry to come in, took an elbow to the forehead, and still came out and gave you the performance that he did. Buddy Heald is off where he was playing well in the games before. Needed him to do something in this one, and he only took nine shots. And the one thing that I didn't want to hear, which I don't know that we will, or somewhere it's just in my mind of, he didn't get enough touches. 
he didn't have enough opportunity for him to really go out there and display and showcase what he is more than capable of, of being that second guy to Tyrese Maxey tonight when they needed him most. And that's where the disappointment comes in, where you don't always have to raise your voice. Sometimes it's just sitting there, even though we're on camera and you have to say words, and this will ultimately be a podcast too, you're just kind of just shaking your head because it's like, here we go again, man. Here we go again. I saw so many comments that are like, get him off the floor. Oh, yeah. So glad he's coming off the books at the end of the season. So many, so on and so forth. And when you bring up that one maxi pass twice you talked about already, I was watching him because as soon as it fumbled and went out of bounds, he went like this. He was telling Maxie to throw the alley-oop. Maxie made a perfect bounce pass to his hands. And while an alley-oop might have been sufficient, the other one was just as good, and he fumbled it. Then he came back on the very next possession. Bree was sitting on the other couch. I turned and looked at Bree, and we just shook our head because it was two turnovers in a row where he just fumbled the basketball. And that's where he was. As Derek said during pregame, I don't know. But I know one of the things that he thought was capable of happening from him in this game was a three for nine, nine point performance in 25 minutes. Also, when they made their run, guess who wasn't on the floor? Tobias Harris. I don't know that they would have continued to make that run because they did get fatigued. But when he came back into the game, it flipped again and it went the other way. So we'll see what we get, what, what they get from Tobias Harris against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But as Derek said earlier, I don't know. Yeah, and like to your point, them their run ending when Tobias came back, I don't really read too much into because at some point you just hit a wall. And I think the Sixers, by and large, hit a wall at the end. Like it's so tough to make that climb all the way back because you have to do so many things perfect for so long and you know, beat them in the hustle categories for so long (laughs) that eventually it's tough to sustain. But what I do read into is the fact that the only time it looked like they were playing real competent basketball was when he was on the floor. He is a ball stopper in the worst way. Like it's one thing to be a ball stopper in with Kelly Oubre, who by the way, Kelly Oubre got up 14 shots in pretty much the same amount of minutes, even though most of those shots I didn't necessarily like. That's a ball stopper in one way, but Tobias is a ball stopper in the fact that he will hesitate, jab, step, and then pass out of it. It's not even like a ball stopper, like a shot. It's just the ball freezes, the game slows down, the movement stagnates, and then you have to reset your offense, and that just happens time and time again. And it's just, we're five years into the Tobias experience, and I don't fundamentally know how to maximize him, which is just a wild thing to say for a player making $40 million. I don't know what his optimal role is outside of elevating a mediocre team to be respectable. And I tried to look at this too, when you have three new additions, he hasn't played much with healed and pain. By the way, when they also made their run, the big run against Washington, Ricky Council, the force was, was on the floor and Tobias Harris was not, but you bring another person in like Kyle Lowry and you're like, okay, got to adjust to another player. But this is a point guard who's looking to get you the basketball. Yeah. That's not hard. Yep. That's not hard. All right. A lot of people have a lot of things to say, certainly in our chat. We'll hear from Kyle later on from the arena. Let's get to some of these super chats as we line these up. Where do we begin? We begin Bunch. with Bernard at the top. We begin with Bernard. Bernard, I guess Brunson is MJ now. I would have let him score 50. And shut down the others, second chance, and rebounds in all caps, 
are going to kill this team without Bede. Talking about Joel and Bede. Thanks, Bernard. Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're, they were in rotation a lot. Like, Brunson ended up not shooting all that well. He ended up shooting 5 of 18 from the field. With seven turnovers. Became respectable because of the free throw line. By and large, he was off tonight. But because he was able to get into the paint, get in the middle of that defense, spray the ball around two shooters, and force the big man to step up, he's right. He created a lot of open shots, and he created a lot of offensive rebounding opportunities. The Sixers do rotate perhaps more than they maybe should. Um, I think that's been a problem for a while. I think part of that is just not only Nick Nurse and him being aggressive, although I think Nick Nurse does want to be aggressive, but I think there's a lot of players whose decision-making you maybe don't trust and then get caught in no man's land a lot, including your big in Paul Reed, including your other big in Mo Bamba, and including a lot of your wings whose decision-making, like I said, defensively, I just don't trust all that much. But yeah, they were not good defensively tonight, and I do think they probably over-rotated a little bit. I, I don't think he's wrong. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Davon. With a bunch of super chats there. Yeah, somebody got paid. Yeah, man, we appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate it, man. It. We appreciate it. Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy B, says, Hey, Nick Nurse, why play Batum over Ricky? He's younger, faster. He actually can score and rebound. He doesn't need Embiid on the floor to be effective. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? We felt like he was going to come in and be a starter. You know, even though Kyle told us a little bit earlier that that starting role outside of the three of Maxi. Embiid and and Harris, when all are healthy, yeah. are pretty much cemented. The other two spots are open, but we thought that Nick Batum would help out coming back. Yeah, look, I was I was following the chat a little bit uh, while you were talking there um, earlier, and there was a lot of angst towards Batum. I think just like calm down a little bit. Like first yeah. game back, uh, I think it's the first game he's played in three weeks, and was in and out of the lineup before then. Uh, he's a player who I do think plays better with Embiid. Uh, so right now he might be a little overtasked or outside of his optimum role. But there's just not going to be a coach who's going to trust a 22-year-old undrafted rookie on a two-way contract over a long-term vet who has a reliable outside shot and is a good passer. Like, I think Batum was bad today. Really, really bad. But I 100% understand why Nick Nurse played him, and I 100% understand why Nick Nurse is going to continue to play him as long as Nick Batum is healthy. Um, it's just like Ricky's fun. He's exciting because you need that kind of a, like have, developing that kind of a young player with those kind of physical tools is something that's going to be fun to watch. There's no team in the league whose coach is playing him over Nick Batum right now. No, it's just no, not. You got to pick your like, spots. I, it's, it's one thing to be excited about Ricky. And I agree. That's sort of why I went out there and did that interview with him the other day. And it was great to talk to him and go check that out um, on our YouTube. But it it's just not, it, he's, and quite frankly, he's probably not ready. Like this Knicks defense, if he's playing 25 minutes per night, the Knicks are going to probably take the most out of his unwillingness and inability to shoot. Yeah, Nurse is going to have to find the spots for Ricky Davon. You have to start um, Nick Batum. The other thing is you have to wonder too, as we've talked about that hamstring injury, maybe that could maybe be bothering him a little bit too at some points. And then he has to be honest with the coaching staff and the medical staff and come off the floor. Let's head to the arena to check in. After this debacle of a game, we were a little more optimistic in the pregame as we talked to Kyle Newbeck live from the arena following the Sixers' 110-96 loss. And Kyle, uh, we we looked at this when they got off to that poor start, 15-3. to uh, They came back and they got themselves to within six. They put in a lot of effort in that moment, but that was part of the problem. Effort, rebounding, Bad turnovers or turnovers at the wrong time and digging themselves into 
too big of a hole and not getting enough help from some of the others outside of Maxie and Lowry. Yeah, look, we, I said before the game, I would have liked to have a beer just to settle in with you guys before the game. I think I'd like to have a beer now to not remember the first half of that game because it was just... <laughs> oh, it's going to take more than one, buddy. Well, yeah, for brain. sure. For sure. But but yeah, it, that was a, an ugly half of basketball. I think the most telling thing about the second half was that Nick Nurse basically said, not only fuck Mo Bamba, but fuck playing any bigs in this game. Like we're going to, it's a weird place to get to, right? To say we can't get rebounds. We're getting crushed on the offensive glass, blah, blah, blah. Let's go even smaller. Like let's not play the tallest guys on our roster and maybe we'll help that problem. And frankly, that was the best thing I think Nick Nurse did all night was to play small because one, offensively, they found some things. The the Lowry and Maxi minutes ended up working. But also, you know, give credit to a guy like KJ Martin stepping into a role there. Like I, I think we've talked about it some as we discuss his competition with Ricky for minutes, but KJ has now kind of transitioned into more of a pseudo big role anyway. And so I didn't think that was a much of a stretch tonight, right? Like you use him as a roller, you have him with his vertical leaping ability, you can go up and get the ball and they just played fast. They played free and finally looked like a, a real basketball team. But it feels like to me, in some ways, we're back where we always are with this team. Like Joel Embiid's not on the floor and things are just a complete shit show. And we're going to be, for a lot of reasons, talking about the non-acquisition of Andre Drummond at the deadline for the next <laughs> at least month or so, potentially longer, depending on how things go. So I didn't have it in me to do a Tobias Harris rant today. Uh, you're more the ranty guy anyway, but I feel like I'm so beaten down at this point that I'm just at the acceptance phase of the experience. So I'm just going to ask you, what the hell happened to Tobias Harris? First of all, Derek, I have to ask you, did you read my recap yet? Because I literally, like almost word for word, said with Kelly Oubre and Tobias Harris, if you're not at the acceptance phase with these guys, then I, I just, I don't know what you've been watching. Right. And to your point, I don't know how much I can rant about Tobias, but as we talked about heading into the break, when they're playing without him, he feels like a symptom or his, he's an example of like, what is wrong with the team when they don't play well. And he's a guy who I think can, over time, we have probably come to understand he is less than the sum of his parts, right? Like he can dribble a little bit. He can score. He can attack guys in isolation. He can shoot. And I actually thought of this tonight as I'm watching the game. You guys ever hear when people are talking about quarterbacks, a, a big term that's used nowadays is processing speed, right? Like sure. this guy has elite processing speed. It allows him to overcome whatever arm strength limitations he has, whatever lack of mobility he has, he just sees things unfold. Tobias is the opposite end of that in a basketball player, right? Like we see he's got the mechanical skill. He's got touch. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He can handle a little bit. The problem is that he sees everything a half a second or a second too slow. And so most of the time, and this is a group right now that has to work harder for their offense, right? They don't have the human walking 30-point game 
on the roster or at least available to play for this roster. So when no, they have say, something happened that I missed, he's yeah, not on the he's roster. He's still on the shoot. roster. He's just not available. <laughs> but so because he's not there, you can't get yourself in late clock situations. You got to attack early. You got to exploit any advantages you're able to create, whether that's Tyrese getting hedged against, whether that's semi-transition, whatever it is. And Tobias is the guy who routinely, routinely takes those advantage situations and turns them back into, okay, we're resetting the possession, and now we got to attack with 8 to 10 on the clock. I, I wrote this in the recap. My least favorite play, maybe of the whole game, they actually, I don't remember who the screener was or even who his defender was on the play. They managed to get a switch onto Tobias with Tobias at the elbow. I want to say it might have been like Alec Burks or, or somebody he had a size advantage on. And basically the whole side, right side of the floor is cleared out. So he can go right to his strong hand against a, a smaller, poorer defender, either gets fouled or gets an easy look. Instead, he decides to go left after delaying, and he dribbles into like three guys. And he doesn't turn the ball over, but he throws this weak, sputtering pass out to the perimeter, and they reset the whole – and that is who Tobias is, right? Like that's – when you play good teams, when you get to the playoffs – that shit does not fly. That does not work. You cannot do that. It's where good offense goes to die is in hesitation. And like as much as I'm not saying he's that Kelly Oubre is a better player. He was awful, also terrible tonight. Couldn't stand watching him play. At least he lives up to that strong and wrong mentality, right? Like he's making a decision one way or another. Tobias is like always of two minds at all times, even to the point tonight where He's just dropping basic passes guys are making, like getting hit in the hands on cuts, standing in the corner, sliding along the baseline, and, and just can't hold on to the ball. So, I look, I completely understand where the fan base is at with him. We said before the game, they need him in, in whatever capacity that is, right? As a plug-in guy, a high-volume shooter, guy who can carry the offense. Their best minutes tonight – Nick Nurse fucking stapled him to the bench and said, we're going to play <laughs> campaign Kyle Lowry, Tyrese Maxey, Kelly Oubre, and KJ Martin. That I, I would have to go through the logs. That's got to be one of the smallest lineups in the yep. history of Sixers basketball. And they succeeded against a team that's killing them on the boards and shit. So the fact that you pull Tobias and you're able to go on that run, I think that probably sums up the entire night. Yeah, was not a good night for Tobias Harris. Uh, he has to come back out against the uh, bigger uh, Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow, so that should be interesting. Uh, but uh, on a positive, of, of course, the two things that, that you had, I did see that you had them in your recap, allphly.com. Go check out Kyle's recap, Sixers, Knicks. Uh, Kyle Lowry uh, in his debut in the Sixers uniform, his return home, even after getting elbowed in the head, in the forehead, came back and still yes, played 20 plus minutes and looked pretty good, Kyle, in, in doing so. Yeah, look, like if you were trying to write a script for a, a <laughs> returning Philadelphia athlete, right. people would accuse you of like, oh, you're really overdoing it with this one, right? Scrap that. The, that's the, not good going into the movie. The 38-year-old comes home. He immediately gets elbowed. He comes out bandaged up, stitches. <laughs> he actually told us at the podium, he goes, I got six stitches, but the doctor made it look like it was a seven, like his number. So that was that was his joke at the podium. Uh, he also, very on brand, he had a hoodie on, said 
20th and Lehigh on it. So he was fully leaning into uh, the, yeah. the, the hometown kid, hometown hero thing tonight. Look, it, he was great. And frankly, we were all, at least I will say, for, speak for myself, I was pretty concerned about Maxi Lowry minutes, and we'll see how they play out over the longer term. I thought they managed them really nicely, though, tonight. You can see when you put another real creator on the floor next to Tyrese and you put Lowry in a just either he's shooting or he's beating a closeout in that like split-second type decision-making role off the ball, he's really good at that. He'll He's not that fast anymore, but he makes a decision quick enough to get by the defender, spray a pass out to a shooter. There was a play, the sequence tonight, I was – Tim Bontemps and I are cracking up on press row. Kyle Lowry in transition creates an open three for Kelly Oubre or semi-transition open three for Kelly Oubre. Kelly misses the shot. Kyle Lowry digs in, gets the offensive rebound, sets Kelly up for a drive. Kelly misses two more shots at the yeah, We talked about that. We like, cut it to four, <laughs> right? It's like how many more opportunities you need this guy to create for you, bro. So that was really funny, but I just look, I think you saw everything you'd hope to get from Lowry on offense. We'll see what he's got left defensively. I think it's probably the bigger concern, even though he's the super intelligent guy. Uh, and Maxi said at the, the podium tonight, effectively, like, look, I, the leadership and the communication are already there. He said they, they'd be in huddles and they're talking about, hey, I'm going to run this play or, or we're going to run this play, Maxi. And Lowry was like, no, no, no. We're running this play. You're going to be here. You're going to have the ball. You're going to do this. And Maxi was like, all right, cool, bro. You got it. So <laughs> Lowry already commanded some respect in uh, the first game. And I, look, I think you could tell he was chewing guys out that are missing rotations. He's very active and vocal already. He is not a, a wallflower by any stretch. So on top of whatever he's given them offensively, I, I think if people thought they lost something in terms of the leadership and the the fire from Pat Bev, I think you guys are, are very mistaken looking at oh, how he played tonight. Look at Pat Bev coming back on Sunday. So <laughs> Pat Bev better get ready. I mean, I guess my last question is what the hell do you think they're going to do with the back? Cause like, it's one thing to do with the backup, the small ball one game. It's another thing to try to do it for the next 27 games. They've got a lot of games here without Embiid and, I don't see Mobamba getting any better. So what do you think the solution is? I mean, really the hope just has to be that Paul Reed plays better, right? Like you got to be able to play in bigger minutes and minimize what Mobamba or small ball has to do. Cause to your point, Derek, yeah, I, I do think small ball is interesting and small ball can be effective for this group with the guys they have available. It can't be effective as like a, that's half the plan for a given game. Like if Paul plays 20 to 25 minutes and you have to fill 23 minutes or 20 ish minutes with small ball, regardless of who that is, whether it's Batum out there, KJ, if Robert Covington ever plays basketball again, that's just a joke. I, I know he <laughs> seems to be trending in the right direction. As far as we know, whatever option you throw out there, maybe Tobias, learns how to play basketball again. That's, again, another question mark, I suppose. You should be able to buy minutes with those groups. I, I do think they'll have enough offensive talent that they'll score. I don't know how much defending they're going to do, but they'll score. But, yeah, but straight up, Mo Bamba is going to have to give them something because, like, I would like to see 
given how tonight played out, I'd like to see Darius Baisley yep. at least get some burn. Like, look, guy's on a 10-day, he's here, and Bamba is stinking it up so badly that Nick Nurse was like, fuck him, I'm throwing him in the trash for the night. <laughs> you might as well give the guy on the 10-day contract a look who's been playing well in the G League. I know that he's probably closer to Paul Reed in terms of player archetype and all that, like in terms of size, athleticism, whatever. But at least try, like, no harm in doing it because if Bamba was giving you anything, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, man. Well, first night of a back-to-back, not looking good. Some big bodies in that front court on Friday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so we'll see about that. But we'll see you there, man, because we're going to have our PHLY, our second PHLY Sixers takeover. Kyle will be there, Derek, myself. Uh, we'll, we'll all be there to hang out with all of you. Mo Bamba will not be there. We all, all rebounders only in our takeover. It's just, Very true. just to be clear. Very true. Rebounders only. So we'll be there. We hope to see everybody there at the arena. Should be a fun time. And they beat the Cavs before the all-star break. Maybe they'll do it again. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I'm not trying to kill the vibe ahead of tomorrow, <laughs> but I, I would suspect that Cleveland's coming for some revenge tomorrow. Oh, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know that I have a good feeling for heck tomorrow, yeah. especially on a back-to-back. But hey, we will have some fun either way. Can't wait to see everybody. Thanks, man. Make sure you all read allphly.com. Check out Kyle's recap, and uh, Kyle, we'll see you later, man. It's, I think it's still raining out there a little bit. Be careful. I didn't wear a waterproof jacket, unfortunately, so I'm really going to suffer tonight. But get home safe, everybody. You too, man. Kyle Newbeck, live from the arena, following the Sixers 110-96 loss to the New York Knicks. I was going to say Darius Baisley, too, just just because. Oh, yeah. Why not? Can't be worse than Mo. Why not? That's bad. Yeah. Not the fact that you have to go with Baisley. It's just that here we are again. We tried to give him credit in the one game. Was it the Miami game or was it the Cleveland game where Mo Bamba played well? It was one of the games where both he and Reed played well. Reed actually had that four-game stretch before the break where he played well. Yeah. Tonight just wasn't there for him, but the Bamba thing has just been very consistent all season long where it has not worked out, hence the conversations about Andre Drummond. Yep. All right, let's get back to some of our Super Chats, yeah, shall we? we got to run through them. Yeah, Davon again. Let's just run through Davon's here. And um, it, it, we already went through the KJ Martin at small forward, or is this a new one? Oh, hey, Nick Nurse, why are you still playing KJ Martin at small forward when he clearly plays better, closer to the basket as a uh, power forward and no Toby on the floor? Well, we saw it. Yeah. We saw he, it. He, he played him at big he, minutes. Yeah. He did. Yeah, we saw it. He, he had him yeah. out there on the floor. While he did not start, maybe you're asking why is he starting. Tobias is going to start. Jordan Poole got benched, by the way. He didn't yeah, start. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for a guy like Nick Nurse, we were sitting there and it was like, yo, they're making this run and Tobias is stuck to the bench. He was like, yeah, because we're like, yeah, he's stinking it up. But Nick Nurse did it. And that's what you want to see. You want to see a coach actually do it. And he did it. He, uh, he benched him for that short time, but he had to go to him and he brought him back yeah, in. So, but if, Mar- you're, if you're trying to say like he should not start the game tomorrow, that's just not going to happen. No. It's not. No, he's going to start. Continuing, uh, Nurse, why does your defensive scheme consist of you having a big doubling at the three-point line when you struggle with giving up offensive rebounds? I think it's more of what the offense is running as to why Preston Sachua is playing the five. He can shoot. Yeah. You got to close out. You got to get out there and respect that because he did knock down two early threes that hurt the Sixers from the corner, from the wing. 
you have to close out on that big. If it's Jericho Sims, that's one thing. But you also need your big to close out because if it's a ball handler who is capable of hitting a three-pointer, he comes around that screen, there's no resistance there. He's just shooting a wide-open three. So you have to have those guys hedge out and yep. close out. It's just a matter of the drop back and the coverage on the back end to also help. Yeah. And look, Brunson's had some games too. Like when you're talking about the ball handler in some of those situations, Brunson's had games where he will pick you apart. So I understand the, the aggressive scheme coming in. Yeah, he's Jalen Brunson. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay really attention good. to that really one. Really good. Uh, and uh, finally, Davon says, tax return landed on payday. There you go. So there you go. We thank there you, you man. We appreciate it. As always, uh, checking in. I saw we had somebody that dropped like a big number. Did I thought I saw it. Unless they, Oh, there it is. Larry. Larry Love. What up, Larry? Larry Love. <laughs> Batum averages six points. Uh, PJ was at eight points. Batum has length and is a higher IQ passer, but can't keep people in front of him. He has a quick shot. Not a starter anywhere else in the association. Neither, neither is PJ. Buddy can't defend Buddy Heal. Thanks for the conversation, Larry. Appreciate the donation in the super chat. So PJ averaged four points per game in his first season with the Sixers and two in a couple of games he was here before being traded. So he definitely didn't average eight. No, he did like not. The, he averaged half of that. Half of eight. Not even because it was really 3.5. I was nice. He didn't even average eight for his career in the no, Sixers no, uniform. No, no, no. He averaged 6.7 for his career. His high was no, I mean, 9.4. In the Sixers uniform. Oh, no. Not for even the close. year yeah. and a half combined. No, yeah. he did not. Uh, so you're overstating that a tiny bit. And look, Nick Batum is a better offensive player than P.J. Tucker. He'll put the floor on or the ball on the floor better. He'll make decisions off the bounce better. He'll make you know swing the ball around better. He will shoot better. He'll make entry passes better. Like PJ Tucker was a stand in the corner, shoot a three and crash an offensive rebound. And that was it. Nick Batum does more of the connective stuff. The problem is right now you don't have like two stars to connect to each other. You need somebody to step up and create shots, not be a connective piece. He looks a little out of place. Also, he was playing his first game in yep. three weeks. Yep. I get the frustration. We had a lot of low usage role players come through here of late. I don't think Nick, I think if Nick Batum was playing consistent basketball and was playing with Joel Embiid, I think the tenor of the conversation right now would be a little bit different. I still think he is a good piece, good piece when in the optimal role. He's just not in that right now. And he's very, very rusty, but yeah. his defensive point isn't wrong. Like his defense is not what it was a couple of years ago. And it certainly isn't what it was in prime. Uh, I do worry about that a little bit, especially when you're talking about a lineup that includes Tyrese Maxey and Buddy Heald on a perimeter. Like there are a lot of defensive concerns in there. You start looking at it even when healthy. Tobias Harris might be your second best defender in that starting lineup, which is part of the, it's it's a concern for two reasons. One, he's not that good of a defender. Two, he's not that good of an off-ball defender. And three, there's just a lot of weak defenders on a perimeter. That is one thing we've talked about a lot. That's one thing we'll talk about going forward. So I agree with some of his points in that, like I said, Batum's perimeter defense isn't what it used to be. I think that can be exploited in the playoffs. I do think offensively he will look better when Joel returns, though. And as you say that, we think, uh, thank you again, Larry, for for the uh, super chat. Let's go to Cannoli because he kind of jumps into the Embiid part. Why are the Sixers so bad without Embiid? Well, well start with the MVP part. He's, yeah, there's pretty a damn reason, good. Like that, that's most valuable player. So when you take that off, look. <sighs> If, if Jokic wasn't on the floor for the Nuggets for an extended period of time, 
as good as their pieces are around them, they would probably struggle too. Yeah, but I do think they have more offensive options. Sure. It's, it's part of the benefit of building around an elite passer like Jokic is you then go out and, and target players who can ramp up. We've mentioned all year that the Sixers have just enough to get by in terms of shot creation and in terms of defense and rebounding, especially interior defense. And you remove one piece, whether that was Tyrese Maxey earlier in the year, whether that's Joel Embiid now, and everything sort of falls apart. Everyone looks like they're a little bit out of a role. It looks like you don't have enough defenders. Doesn't It looks like you don't have enough shot creators. Part of the reason is they just, like, they, right now, you know, Daryl Morey kept his trade pieces to not go in for a third piece now because he thinks there'll be a better one available in the future. Part of that comes with, all right, then you're trying to make do with a lot of role players. And when you remove the star who puts everybody into their proper role, everybody just looks out of place. Um, and that's just sort of the construction of the team. It's, like I said, in part because Daryl Morey hasn't put all of his chips in yet. He didn't think there was anybody worth putting all of those chips into. And that's sort of the uh, consequence of that. All right. Let's, uh, we have a few more before we get out of here. Let's go to Biggie. Five, four, five, keeping it positive. Tobias expires at the he end does. of the season. He does. Enough said, big. Enough said. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, hell? I have so much fatigue talking about Tobias. Cause like, go I back do, to some I, of our old episodes and hear yeah, the rants. <laughs> I, but like, I would love to be happy with Tobias's play because like, being a good teammate does matter and it makes me want to root for you and all that stuff. But you can't defend what we just saw on the court. We can't defend what he just saw against the Wizards. It's just you need more from somebody that you've invested so many resources in. It's frustrating, but you can't change it. To his point, it does expire. So at least we have that. And one thing that we've talked about before when it gets to this Tobias Harris conversation, the guy is a nice guy. Very nice guy. But you don't get $40 million for being nice. Otherwise, Devon would be the richest MFer in the city. And I certainly would put the shots up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Squeeze off, man. Get those shots off. All right, let's get to these final ones from You a Fraud. Is he talking about Tobias Harris? <laughs> That's his name. But You a Fraud. Daryl Morey should be head of Sixers scouting department, not the general manager. Well, he still scouts. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> I mean, as a general manager, you lean on your scouting department, but he also scouts. Yeah, he certainly does. And I, th I think he's basically saying he should be demoted. I know, but I'm just, to the point, I'm saying the man does scout even as the general manager. Which is funny, because who's their second in charge? Elton Brand. I don't think that's what people are calling for. I don't think they're looking for a repeat of the EB era. Nah. It's, it's really wild, because I feel like in the four games after the trade deadline, the fan base was generally okay with what they did. Yep. And all of a sudden, they come out and they look like complete dipshits for a half of play. And now everyone's back on the man, fire Maury, blah, 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 tear it all down. That's why it's I like, love just, this town. You know, come, there's a little bit of a roller coaster here. In general. That's fine. Look, I think Daryl, and really, it's not people changing their opinion after each win or loss. It's just people, different people being vocal. Mm -hmm. uh, I am sure that you a fraud has been critical or at the very least. Uh, non-committed on Daryl for a while. And, and this is an example where he can lean on that. And the only way Daryl's going to change those people's opinions is by winning. Like he's got to go out. Like maybe they have the piece of this year. Maybe they don't. But if they don't, he has to go out with the cap space, with the draft picks, what have you. He's got to make a move that people believe in and win. And Absolutely. same thing with Joel. It's, there's just no way to change it until they win. Absolutely. Are right, you a fraud? Some really nice things said here, and we appreciate, appreciate the donations. You. And again, 
if we disagree with something people oh, yeah, say, yeah, that's fine. We still want you back. And here's what I'll say: I'm wrong. So, and this is the NBA scout in me, the the guy who, like I said, I came up scouting the NBA draft before I even covered Sixers. You learn real quickly that you will be wrong a lot, and you'll be uncomfortable with how wrong you are. These are just my opinions. As long as everyone in the chat, whether super chat or regular chat, expresses them in a respectful manner. We can all disagree. We can all chat some basketball. I love that about the yeah, This is basketball. It's, all, it's not that serious. Come in, have some fun, debate, back and forth. It's all good. Your Fraud says, you three guys, Kyle, Derek, myself, are the best thing in Sixers talk right now. Love this program and channel. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. I would disagree. I don't know where I would rank us, but certainly, you know, I'm not confident enough in myself. No, like, we're just, just saying talk. thank you. I'm very, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm saying thank you. But I'm very comfortable with the fact that I'm wrong often. So I, oh, I know I'm wrong a lot. Put myself at the top. Yeah, I I know I'm wrong a lot. And I'd be like, all right, I was wrong. You know, I love Dennis Smith Jr. coming out of school. Oh, we don't need to get into that. Remember that? Oh, Oh, man. I was a big Dennis Smith guy, man. Oh, I thought he went to the right spot too, Dallas. (laughs) Right coach Rick Carlisle. It just didn't work out. Um, can we include Brianna in that? Because it's not just us three. We got to include Bri as our Especially after what she just pulled off yesterday. She was. Perfect. Brianna's fantastic, everybody. So thank her too. Thank Brianna for all the work she did. And uh, finally, uh, you a fraud says, hit the like button. Jumping on the forest. Hit the like button. It's free. It is free. Hit the like button. That's it. Hit the like button. That was something, man. First game back. I was so excited to get basketball back in my life. And then sometime in that second quarter, I'm like, what did I wish upon myself? That we, was we brutal. We thought they were going to win this brutal. game. We really did. And it really is like... Well, like real analyzing, too. We were analyzing the game. Like, this is what they're going to do. They're going to win the game. It mm. really is like when you get back from the break, you don't know who's still in Cabo. Like, you never really know. But for the Sixers to get beat the way that they did in transition early on the glass later, it was definitely a little bit demoralizing. But it's also tough because this is, like I said, a team that you're fighting against in the yeah. standings, yep. a team that's missing a bunch of their key players, and a game that you thought you could steal. And now they're sitting here, 0-2 season series against the Knicks, with both of those games being at home in Philadelphia. In order to even tie the season series, you're going to have to go win a back-to-back in New York. It's going to be tough. And... and these are just opportunities that you have. You can't let too many of them slip away while still keeping a top six seed in the East. They uh, they need that big fella back, man. They need that big badly, fella back. Badly. Badly. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. We thank everybody for jumping in and che- checking in, both pregame and postgame. We had some, um, some best bets, too, that we had in the pregame. One for two. Buddy Hill over three and a half made three-pointers. He hit that, uh, that. We got that. I also said that Maxi with the team would have a much balanced, a more balanced effort in terms of scoring, and uh, that did not happen. But they needed every bit of that 35 from Tyrese Maxi to make it look respectable, and he put up 15 in the third quarter. So great job, hat tip to Tyrese Maxi for doing his part. Kyle Lowry again, really good play. Hope to see much better play from the rest of the group against the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow night. Our takeover at the arena tomorrow night we hope to see you all there we hope you got your tickets because we can't wait to see we love hanging out with you all so we'll see you there tomorrow for this is 7 30 tip tomorrow night right then they change it i should probably know that but i, I don't know that i, I think they changed it seven Bree said it is 7 30 so they did change it 
uh, to 7.30. I believe it's a nationally televised game. So we will be there for the takeover, 7.30. And we're coming back here to do post-game after the game. Right? Yep. We also have a watch party next week. We do? 27th? Watch party. 27th. Yep. Celtics. That's 7.30. Celtics, 7.30 on the road, the chicken or the egg in Marlton, New Jersey. Yep. That was our spot for the trade deadline. It was a fantastic cool spot. Fantastic cool place. Fantastic place. We tried these ridiculously hot Look, wings. If you, if you come out and you want to try a wing, I will buy us all some ludicrous wings. I will eat one with you. It is you not got, fun, but we will get through it together. Up. You going to do it again? Yeah. Jeez. Our lips were I mean, numb. If, if I did it once, like I feel like I can probably do it again. Yeah. It, again, it is not fun. But it is not like fun. I said, we will get through it together. We will get it's through it together. It's sort of like watching Sixers basketball. See, man, you put me on the spot like that. I don't hold <laughs> on to peer pressure, but I also can't sit there with my team and not eat the hot wing. But anyway, the chicken or the egg. I'm really interested if that video that we made ever gets released. I'm really interested. Oh, we're that. putting that on. Chris has to release that no matter what. We're not saying why. The, the problem is our social media guy is the guy who handled it see, the I worst. Say so that, I don't know. We'll but you see. said it. But Chris... Yeah, Chris got to release that video. <laughs> Everybody, if you can, next Tuesday, I know we're talking about next Tuesday, but if you can come out next Tuesday, Chicken or the Egg, the Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, New Jersey, Tuesday night. Uh, it's a great spot. Come on out, hang out, beer, drinks, yep. soda, water, milk for those hot wings. And if it's, if it's nice out, they have a nice outdoor. Yes. I can't Actually, imagine I it's going to be nice at 7 30. like in the 60s during that stretch. Yeah, it's going to be pretty late at night. So we'll, nah, see. Nah, we'll see. It's going to carry over. But. Everybody, we see you then. All right, get, check out our merchandise again at phlylocker.com. Read Kyle's recap, all phly.com, and we will see you tomorrow. We have some people we want to say thank you to tonight here. We got a lot of people to say thank you to AC Phila, Philly fans, Money Mar, Liam Stevens, you a fraud. What up, Liam? Dan Murphy, Coach Lowell Ricketts, Two Minute Warning, Fusion, Raheem, Julian, what up, Randy. Al? See you tomorrow, Al. The Bull RJ, The Good Fella, Medium Grant. Big Grant, not, not small why Grant. Why not large Medium, grant. I don't know. All right. Jay the Jungle, what Eric 0215, X-Man, Brad Fjord, What up, X? Remo, Gracie, front-running fan base, Marty Bones, Bootzilla, Eric Schmidt, Noob, Demario, Barbara Carroll, hey, SD4 Bar. Philly. We got a James Meehan, a Mr. Sandman. Yo, James. I think that Cannoli, I know Cannoli dropped a... Super, Super chat. chat. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might be about all that I have listed here, but appreciate you all for hopping in, listening to us talk some Sixers basketball. Hit the, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. If you're not already, then you can comment while the chat is going on and hit the bell icon. So you get notifications when we go live, which is uh pretty often. I appreciate it. And make sure you go check out before the game tomorrow, let us know what you think of our conversation with Ricky Council, the fourth uh, at the uh, Sixers training facility. We had a chance to sit down uh, with Ricky. Oh, Fusion. Thanks for the Ricky Council. Yes, we, we enjoyed doing it. It was fun. It was great. And, um, you know, Brianna did a great job of putting that together. Ricky was fantastic. The Sixers, we thank them for uh, allowing us to do that. Make sure you go check out uh, Ricky Council, the fourth, sitting down with us three and having a conversation wide ranging. And you can find that as always, on our YouTube channel. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow at the arena for our uh, takeover, and we'll certainly see you tomorrow again post-game after the Sixers take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Everybody have a great night. Thanks for staying up with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We all silly like the mayor. 